Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I have my friend Cherry Thomas with us. Cherry, thanks so much for joining the Boca Podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, and we're, we are going to yet again dive into a new topic, something that we haven't really focused on uh, on the Boca Podcast to date, and that is photographing elopements. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, but as we normally do at the Boca Podcast, we're going to start off with uh, what we call the aha moment. And um, this is a moment where, or maybe a series of moments that you experience in your business that were kind of a light bulb moment or moments, um, something that happened that that made you make a significant change in your business for the better. Can you share something like that with our listeners? Oh, of course. It almost feels cliche saying this, but my first, I've had multiple aha moments. Of course, I've been in business for over 10 years, but I think a profound one that I had was simply actually believing the fact that just be yourself and be true to who I am. To give a little um, context to that, I'm based in Santa Barbara, California, and Santa Barbara had Brooks Institute of Photography, which right. is a world-renowned photography school. And Santa Barbara has 90,000 people in it. And we literally have so many amazing photographers that were a dime a dozen. Not photographers, but amazing photographers. This is where Jose Villa went to school. Okay. And and everyone knows Jose Villa. I mean, he really changed the landscape of photography in the last 10 years and the way it looks. Certainly. So that's who the competition is, Jose Villa. <laughs> and so I feel like a lot of people came out around, you know, 2004, 2005, where everyone's book was just beautiful. And so I think everyone just kind of did that because that's what you should do. I don't know if that makes sense, but... So I thought, well, that's what I need to do. I need to do a certain look. And I felt like everyone had their About Me page that had this list of credentials where they've been published. And so, okay, so I'm going to do that too. And even though it was very thin, at least I could say I went to school at Santa Monica City College. No, it's not Brooks, but <laughs> hey, here's my credential. Right. You know, so I would, you know, spout off little th other things about, oh, well, my, you know, journalism teacher was a working photojournalist at the LA Times. My black and white teacher was Ansel Adams' right-hand man for 20 years. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, I had a good background at a city college, but just like this needing to tout credentials. You know, for the longest time, I felt like that's what I was always trying to sell when I met with couples. Just, you know, I'm an amazing photographer. I did this. I know these people, this, that. And I felt like I was always going on an interview and I didn't like that feeling. And then at some point, I think this was maybe around 2009, 2010, I just got tired of that whole process. And I really thought about this whole concept of why would I stick out when I'm not trying to stick out? I'm just following what you think you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I just scrapped the about me page and it all started with the about me page. So I took down all the credentials because it really didn't matter where I went to school because my portfolio will speak for itself. Past clients will speak for me. And I just had to really go bare bones and go, so who am I? 
and just own it. And so if you look at my About Me page on my website, bycherryphotography.com, it just tells you what I am. I'm a sci-fi geek. I will try to incorporate anything about Star Trek, Star Wars, <laughs> Lord <laughs> of the Rings, <laughs> anything with Simon Pegg in it, you know, and that's who I am. Just simply doing that was a profound shift in my business and how I had just a new clientele coming towards me and how I interacted with my clientele. And it's just so bizarre to think that changing a couple of, you know, sentences in an About Me page really shifted things. And by shifting, I mean that I no longer go on, quote unquote, interviews with clients. I'm amazed now by how many clients will just hire me for their wedding without meeting me. And that never happened before. And are they, are they hiring you because of what they're seeing on the website then? Yeah, they just so they look at it and they go, oh, I'm a Star Wars girl, too. I love her. And now when I do meet with clients, I'm amazed how often the conversation is, oh, yeah, we're hiring you. We just wanted to hang out. <laughs> That's so great. Well, and, you know, this this idea that you're not going on an interview, I really like that. And this is totally applicable to my own life. I think about the tendency that I have a lot of times, actually, to, as you're describing, follow suit, just to kind of do what everybody else does. Because at the end of the day, it's safe, right? Yeah. Um, well, and the thing is, you see that it works for them. True. So you're going by, you know, the data that you have, which is, hey, if I shoot this way, I'll get bookings. Right. Yeah, we do have a tendency as, as human beings, I think, to look for patterns. And if we see patterns that translate to at least some results, and we're like, oh, we just need to follow that. <laughs> yeah. And when they're monetary results, you're like, oh, I will definitely go that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is a really great reminder, though. I, like I said, for me and, and for our listeners as well, stop trying to, to be like everybody else. It's it's easy to, to look to this person or that person and say, wow, that's incredible, and start to emulate them. And maybe for a little bit of time, that's a good thing. You need to try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to ultimately set you apart is the experience that you create for your clients. And much of that experience comes from allowing your personality to shine through. You know, I mean, more and more photography, professional photography, the lines between professional photography and what the consumer can create, uh, that line is going to continue to blur more, more and more. And photography, professional photography, as we know, it will become likely in, in the years to come less and less a, or actually more and more a niche market, really. And, yeah. um, and, and so in order to differentiate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to make that two, three, four, five, ten thousand $10,000 worth spending, um, we're going to have to create a unique experience. And, and that is largely based on letting ourselves shine through. Uh, so this is a great start to our podcast. Thank you so much for that. Now, I, I have to, this is where we dive into to you, getting to know you a little bit, but I have to start this out with saying that you and I have something in common, and that is that we've both lived in Japan. Tell us about that. Yeah. So back in 1998, I graduated college and I didn't go to art school. I didn't go to photography school. So I got a job, nine to five job, and probably four months into it, I was sitting at my desk going, this can't be all there is. <laughs> <laughs> this seriously can't be all there is. So I jumped ship by jumping the country. <laughs> so wow. I got a job teaching English in Japan. And I had studied Japanese and Japanese literature for three years. So it wasn't just completely arbitrary. And uh, yeah, so went to Japan. I had planned on being there a long time. Like I have friends that I met in 1999 there who are still there. Long story short, I met someone and came back to the U.S. How long did, and, were you there in Japan? A year. 
A year. Okay. Did you, now you said you had studied the language a little bit already, but did you learn to speak pretty fluently? Yeah, that's what kind of bummed me out that I left so soon after, because by the time I left, I understood DJs on the radio. Wow. Which was, you know, a big thing because they talk fast and it's very colloquial, a lot of slang. For sure. Although, you know, what's interesting, and and I've spent a little bit of time in India as well. There's some similarities. There is an incredible amount of English mixed into the Japanese language. I mean, even on a professional level, when you're watching news broadcasts, for example, you'll hear a random English word thrown in here and there with, you know, their their own kind of funny pronunciation of it. But I'm, yeah. I'm constantly amazed at how much English they use in, the, in in a culture which is has a lot of rich history and tradition. Um, it's oh, interesting yeah. how much they've incorporated English there. But but that's impressive within years time frame to be able to pick up on the language that much. It's not an easy language. And I was lucky in that I got to move over there when I was only two or roughly two years old. And, and so I just naturally picked it up like any kid would pick up a language, but uh, yeah. to pick it up that quickly in a year is pretty incredible. Now we've, we've both, we've also, in addition to having lived in Japan, we also share a love, which is green tea Kit Kats. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you guys like yes. chocolate in any way and you like Kit Kats, you have got to just do a quick, actually, I think Amazon sells them. You can go on Amazon and buy a package of green tea Kit Kats. If you've got a local Asian store, they may have them there as well, but they are so good. And our mutual friend, Andreka, um, she's actually been on the podcast before uh, twice now. And, um, yes. and she's, she has actually bought me these green tea Kit Kats as a gift on multiple occasions. They're so good. So I highly recommend them to all our listeners. You know, the funny thing is, though, I love green tea Kit Kats. But if you definitely see other variations, try those because like the wasabi Kit Kats or soy sauce Kit Kats are pretty good. Are you serious? <laughs> those yeah. I have not had. That's kind of interesting. Wow. OK, yeah, I'm, I may have to go out in the limb and try those then. Oh, yeah. Every three to four months, they change their flavor selection. How so interesting. All- OK. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm not up on my Kit Kat uh, in the, on the Kit Kat world, but now now I'm I'm enlightened and I'm going to have to give these a try. That is it's soy sauce Kit Kat. I'm not sure. Is it is a mixture of so than savory and sweet or is it? Also, yeah. Okay. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to do the, do a search on these afterwards. Now, um, tell us, you're married as well, correct? Yes. Tell us a little bit about your husband and then like, what, what does a day-to-day look like? What do you, what do you like to do with your free time when you're not focused on your photography business? So I came back from Japan because I had a pen pal named Jason and I just knew by the third letter that I was going to marry this guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you yeah. had you never actually talked had a conversation face to face before you were just writing letters yeah like literal letters so this is like pre <laughs> literal letters yeah i love that yeah yeah um yeah and so i was telling my japanese students like i'm gonna marry this guy and they're like oh what does he look like oh i don't know wow but, yeah so well we so what just... what what was it about the letters that that just made you have that strong a feeling so quickly he always invited me into his life conversations, even just like that, those three letters, I always felt like he was letting me in on the inside Hmm. versus, Hey, what's your favorite color? Ah, so it wasn't that surface level. Yeah. It wasn't surface level stuff, but of course it makes sense because he's a writer. Ah, Okay. (laughs) What type of writer? Uh, he is a fantasy writer. He actually just had his first um, book published in September. Oh, good for him. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Very excited. <laughs> well, but you know, even being a writer, really, no matter the the industry or profession that you come from, or even your background, it's so easy to hide behind surface level conversation. 
And yeah. and I'm certainly making more of a proactive effort on my part, not only to to be willing to open up myself, but also to pursue relationships with people who are willing to go there. You know, because at the end of the day, yeah. life is is short. We only have so much time, so much effort and energy that we can actually throw into well anything for that matter, but certainly relationships. And yeah. why do we want to waste time with with surface level relationships? I mean, it, it's great to be entertained. It's great to have some fun small talk, but it, but at the end, I want to I want to go deep with people. And um, yeah. so I, I love that. I love that 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 type of that type of individual is certainly inspiring. I can certainly see why you were drawn to him. What is a what is a day in the life of of you know, what's your husband's name? Jason Koivu. Jason. Okay. So what what is a yeah. day in the life of Cherry and Jason look like? So we're actually pretty good about getting up early, or at least he is. He woke up at 5.30 a.m. today. Wow. <laughs> and he gets up and he writes. And I get up. I try to go to the gym as much as possible. Come home. Then I start attacking. I always have a to-do list. I'm very much a, these are things that need to get done today, whether it's you know calling, delivering a wedding to a couple, marketing, um, emails. I try to keep a list and try to stick to it. But of course, you never know, like one day can suddenly be the day that everyone decides to email you with non yes or no questions. <laughs> so. Sure. But you know, the thing about having a list is you can always go back to the list and, and having it, yeah. even even a basic list, a simple list is more structure probably than than a lot of people have at times a lot of photographers have at times. So that's that's good that you have something that you reference that you go back to kind of a workflow that you have in mind. And if for some reason you get distracted for one reason or another, um, you can always go back to that list. That's great. Yeah, well, I'm also just a strong believer that these tasks shouldn't live in my head. My creativity should live in my head. So true, yeah. So if I just take it out of my head, you know, it just gives more room to take in better other information. That's really great. Yeah, because nothing drives me crazy than that little task that you should have just written down and t- should have taken care of in two minutes. Suddenly, two hours later, you're thinking about it. Don't do it. Or it's keeping you up at night. You're laying in bed (laughs) thinking about it. Yeah, just do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you're getting through your task list. Now, would you say you spend five, six hours a day working? Is there a certain schedule that you usually follow? No, I'm not good about that. One reason is we don't have kids, so I don't have that role on me, which I think, you know, changes the, I don't want to say time suck, um, well, it's but just, it's, it's definitely where my it's, responsibilities lie. I, I don't have that responsibility. Yeah, it's a different dynamic for sure. So that gives you a lot of freedom, flexibility. Um, yeah. Do you definitely. usually have like a cutoff point at the end of the day where you're like, all right, let's set work aside and, and spend time together? Uh, no, I'm really bad about that. I love to work. <laughs> I love to work. Okay. I am a workhorse. And I'm doing what I love. You know, as I say, you know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally hear you, and and I'm I'm getting the impression that your husband probably feels similarly about what he does. Yes, uh, we're very fortunate that way because we're both artist types. We give each other a space, and we're not just constantly like, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> independence like, hey. is so important, and the space, like you said, too, for the sake of creativity. That's that's really really great. What do you guys do though to create free time? Like, what's is there is there something that you some particular tool or technique or you know I've, I've talked to some photographers and they're like I just put it in the calendar and I do it. How do you create free time for yourselves? You know, uh, it's funny, but because I am a workhorse and I love to work, I pretty much schedule free time in. It's the only way I can do it because I love being on a routine, a schedule. I love schedules. I love calendars. So yeah, just putting something down on the calendar, whether it's go out to dinner, hang out with friends, it's on the calendar. 
Oh yeah. Working out. That's on my to-do list. <laughs> that's good. But you know, and we've, we've talked about, or I've talked about this with um, other photographers on the podcast as well, but that simple notion of simply putting it in the calendar, it's, it's a simple act. It takes just a few seconds, but it's proactive in nature and you're committing to it. And then it's easy to follow through on it. And I think that's really great. I think that's a good example for our listeners. Now we've talked a little bit about how you got into photography and, and how long you've been in business, but you're, you're a wedding photographer, and even more specifically, something that you photograph a good deal are elopements. How did, you, how did you make this a specialty? How did you get into photographing elopements? I was very fortunate. I have a friend who I met through a popular blog in California, up in San Francisco, and so I would just follow her. And at some point, I noticed that she was doing a lot of elopements at San Francisco City Hall, and so I just asked her about it. She goes, yeah, you know, these are great um, She's been having back issues, so she was just having a really difficult time doing six, eight hours, you know, on her feet, doing these weddings, running around. Hey, it, it's tough for the healthy people, much less somebody that's got back issues. Oh, yeah. And so she just showed me this page that she created to tell people, like, how to get, how to elope at San Francisco City Hall. Yeah. And, you know, like the logistics, like, you go up to this floor, you go to this door, they're going to call your name <laughs> or, you know, whatever the logistics are. She told them where to park. This is where, what's it going to look like if we take pictures in this area versus that area? And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. Well, that's great. Then I realized, oh, wait a minute, Santa Barbara Courthouse. <laughs> I live six blocks from it. Oh, wow. And it's considered, yeah. And it's considered the second prettiest courthouse in the country, second to San Francisco City Hall. How funny. What an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Then I started researching. The great thing about, you know, Google is I started searching Santa Barbara Courthouse weddings and realizing just how frequently people elope there. And the more I did a little research, yeah, people from all over the world get married at the Santa Barbara Courthouse Monday through Friday, actually every day of the week, but specifically elopements with the county clerk Monday through Friday all day long. So I've had clients fly in from Saudi Arabia, England, Canada, uh, New Zealand, just to get married at Santa Barbara Courthouse. How interesting. Okay, so you have this prime opportunity for a, an, an almost obvious business right there in front of you. You're just down the street from the courthouse. Uh, and so it there it is. There's, there is the opportunity to, to develop a special because, you know, I mean, especially in Santa Barbara, have, just being a wedding photographer, you naturally are going to have an incredible amount of competition. That's a pretty yes. saturated market when it comes to photographers, wedding photographers. Uh, but you, you kind of dial in on this, this opportunity to specialize. How then do you begin to get clients? What, what does the marketing process look like for uh, photographing elopements there? I didn't have a grand plan. All I knew is when my photographer friend in San Francisco said, well, I just wrote this blog post. Look at mine. You can copy it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just kind of looked at what she wrote, the layout, just what she, the information that she was giving. And I just said, okay, so that's what I'm going to do. So I wrote a blog post just saying how to get married at the Santa Barbara courthouse, told people exactly what they needed to do, the numbers that they needed to call, where they needed to park. And that was it. And then I think slowly but surely SEO picked up on it. And it just has become its own domino effect. How interesting. So do you find then that you get business as a result of referrals from those clients? Because I would assume a lot of these, as you mentioned, these people are coming in from out of town. Um, I'm not sure if referrals would be a natural thing in that particular specialty. How does that work? No, actually, you're correct. I find it very interesting when I meet a lot of other photographers who are very well known in Santa Barbara. And it's because 
all their clients are Santa Barbara people. <laughs> and I realized I don't have a lot of Santa Barbara clients. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I don't have a lot of repeat business unless they come back and go, hey, it's our one-year anniversary, we're coming back, can you take some you know, portraits of us. <laughs> the important thing for me was, and I think I'm one of the first photographers to really do this, really maximize this, is that after every elopement, I ask them and I give them the link to my Yelp page and I ask them to leave a review. Interesting. I've, you know, I've only heard this once or twice before in my conversations with photographers on this podcast, but Yelp is just not the first place that I would naturally think to find a photographer. It's interesting that it actually carries so much of your business. Yeah, uh, I think what happens because no one's from the area, they will find me because of a Google search. And then they'll just kind of look on Yelp to see, you know, because, you know, I don't know anything about this person. And so right. I have all these clients who rave about me and just say, we met her on the day of, she was great, felt like an old friend within 10 minutes. And so it's my past clients, that's how they are referring me, whether or not they realize it. But they just leave these really, really great reviews and very detailed reviews, which I'm so blessed that they do. That's really cool. Okay, so you started with this inst very instructional style uh, blog post. And have you done, you mentioned SEO earlier, have you done other things specifically with regards to SEO to get more exposure through Google with your website or the blog post or both? No, the only thing I've done in the last couple of months is actually go through a couple of blog posts that I have including the Santa Barbara Courthouse one, and just, uh, there's a plugin called Yoast. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, and just fine-tuning. And this is a plugin yeah. for, for WordPress, correct? Yes, hopefully that's helped. But I think I've just had so many hits, and I'm considered so relevant by Google, that I am just the first person that comes up. So if you were to Google Santa Barbara Courthouse Weddings, the first thing that comes up, from what I hear, I haven't looked at it in a while, is Santa Barbara Courthouse's website, and then me. That's really awesome. And have, have you done multiple blog posts or was it that one blog post that it just kind of created a snowball effect, if you will? It's that one blog post. And now I'm starting to slowly expand with more informational blog posts. Okay. I've been learning a lot about marketing techniques with elopements simply because, you know, over the years I keep hearing things like, you know, be true to yourself, create informational blog posts, do this, SEO, that. And so I've, had it in my head and I just always thought I was doing it <laughs> with weddings. But it's not until I started doing elopements that I really see what it looks like. So for example, a new thing that I've implemented is marketing automation. So I now have a sequence of emails, newsletters that clients can sign up for. So if someone signs up for my newsletter, they immediately starting start to get these emails that are purely informational. There's no upselling, there's no trying to you know, win them over or not win them over, but just there's nothing monetary involved. And all I'm doing is giving them information because they're not from Santa Barbara. They don't know anything about the city, the courthouse, where anything is. So one email will tell them this is the area that you're going to get married in. Next email is these are your two options, upstairs or outstairs. Here are the pictures. This is what it's going to look like. So they know they can visualize. Next email is or do you want to get married in the mural room? This is what a wedding in the mural room looks like. And this is the cost. Next email. Hey, these are nine free areas at the courthouse area. So you can get married there and not pay anything. <laughs> and I give them the map. So are these emails going out to people that have already booked your services? Or are these potential clients? Who are these going out to? Potential clients. 
Okay. And how do they sign up or how do they hear about you and sign up for those, those newsletters? Through the blog post, through the blog post now. Okay. Okay. So I have links. And one of the most profound things for me, just seeing how with me giving so much information and not, not doing an upsell, because I feel like a lot of times emails are about upsells. This is just purely informational that I've had quite a few clients say, oh yeah, by the like fifth email, we were going to hire you because you already earned your pay right there. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're just constantly adding value to the relationship without expecting anything in return. I think that's a beautiful example and reminder for our listeners that if there are ways that you can create value for your potential clients, or for that matter, for your existing clients, it, it again, lends to that experience and makes all the difference in the world, both in, in creating kind of a lasting impression of, of just this you know, amazing interaction that they had with you, the photographer, but then more likely that they're going to refer you to their friends. That's really great. Or on Yelp. Yeah. One of the things I keep going back to, and I tend to forget, but I realize that I do have a mission statement whether or not it's formal or not. But every time I make a big decision about my photography and my photography business, I always think if I was a client, what would I want? And that's perfect. Because I, I treat people as I want to be treated as Absolutely. a consumer, as a client. Yeah, that's a great philosophy, both personally and professionally. And I think it's a great example for our listeners. Now, this... this um, process of photographing an elopement. I know you photograph, quote, normal weddings as well. How does it differ from photographing a regular wedding? What, what are the biggest differences between the two? Honestly, I don't feel like there's a big difference on my end in the sense that I don't care if someone's paying $40,000 for the wedding or they're paying $300. I approach it the same way. I do not ever show up at an elopement with this lax attitude of, it's just an elopement. There's, it's just three people here. Uh, I take it very seriously. No matter how much money you spend on it, it is one of the most important days of their lives. So on that end, they're the same. On the stress level end, it's a lot nicer doing elopements because there's less personalities, less logistics. Less time um, too, right? Less time, which adds its own level of stress because it's like I have one hour to make amazing photographs <laughs> and <laughs> get them relaxed, get them having a good time because I feel like a lot of people – the first thing they always say to me is, oh, I hate being photographed. Oh, I don't think I look good in pictures. So I have that amount of time to go to prove them wrong. Like, no, no, no. You're going to have a good time. You're going to love this. I you're going to love the picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, but your attitude and, and your mentality, your approach to the day, I'm sure that translates through beautifully to your relationship with them and helps set them at ease. What is the average uh, elopement length of time or the length of the elopement process when you're when you're photographing that particular event for them at the courthouse, how long does that usually last? Is it an hour, two hours, three hours? I offer three packages, uh, one hour, two hour, three hours. So the one hour is basic, less than 10 people. They show up for their appointment. If I don't need to be a witness, I show up 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes into the uh, appointment because the first 10 or so minutes is just them paying and doing little logistics with their, you know, identification. So I don't want to waste their time with that. So I just come in, kind of get the last um, portion of it where they're doing the oath, which a lot of people are surprised that they have to do an oath and raise their right hand. And they always have the best expressions on their face. (laughs) These are getting real. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then we go to the ceremony and then we spend a good half hour um, walking around the courthouse. And it's a big courthouse. So prior to the um, day, I send them a questionnaire saying, what are your favorite spots? And on my blog posts, 
I give examples of the different areas That's so great. they can visualize. Yep. Oh, yeah, I like this archway or, oh, that staircase, where's that? That staircase is beautiful. So I know where to take them. And so I have them pick out their two favorites. And then after we've done those two, if there's still time, I'll just ask them like, oh, do you want to go to the clock tower? Do you want to go here and there? And I give them a tour. And I'm getting better at learning the history of the courthouse. So I literally am a tour guide. I'm like, photographer okay, and tour guide. <laughs> I know. That's like, so great. It's great because like there's little things like right below the clock tower is where a clock was discovered in 19, no, 2012. So just six years ago behind a wall, they found the clock. <laughs> so no way. How, int- how yeah. old is the courthouse? I don't know. I know. It's, oh, you need to add that to your list of facts. Yeah. Well, the new <laughs> conception of it, because it's expanded the new portion was built in 1927 okay okay yeah so to segue back to how you offer the service i'm curious how you price yourself how do you go about pricing yourself you know the 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 topic of pricing in general is quite a loaded one in the photo industry but when it comes to elopement specifically i mean there's less time it's less hassle and stress and um, a lot less moving parts. How do you choose to price yourself? What what does that process look like? When I first started, I so I really just shifted my business to elopements about three years ago. And since it was a new thing, I wasn't sure. And over the years, I'd had other photographer friends ask me, hey, someone contacted me for an elopement. How would you price that? So it was always this question with other people too, like, how do you price those? <laughs> and so I just started as a one hour portrait session. So I started from there and realizing over that six to eight months and with the Yelp reviews, how often people would say that I was so cheap. I was like, oh, well, I want to be affordable, not cheap. <laughs> so how about I bump it up a little and then bumped it up again just because I wanted, I, I was actually getting so busy that I actually upped my price to kind of pull back on the bookings. Right. Right now, I feel like I'm at a good price point. So the, the price was adjusted then based on the feedback that you were getting from clients. You realized, hey, I'm, I'm too cheap based on what I'm hearing. So I'll, I'll bump yes. that up. Still want to be reasonable enough for people to book me, but also make sure that I'm I'm not developing a, a reputation of being cheap because that can actually be detriment, detrimental as well. So it seems like yeah. you found kind of a sweet spot. What is that range right now? What is the price range? Five hundred per hour. Wow, that's not a bad deal. And and I'm assuming there's not a ton of work on the back end for shooting an event like that. No, um, this is where I feel very fortunate. Uh, I learned a long time ago to outsource the post production. <laughs> hmm. Who would you have done that with? Uh, this fabulous place called Photographer's Edit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Another thing about um, free time, I mean, just on a day-to-day, it's about scheduling on my calendar, but true free time actually came with knowing where to outsource and where to automate. That's been the biggest significant change in my life because I had a corporate job where I was working 6.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., and it was very high stress. I was dealing in the financial markets and I would literally come home, eat, 4.30 to 10.30 at night. I'd be doing post-production on weddings that I'd done on the weekends. Oh, that's brutal. So I did that for six, seven years. Wow. Well, you know what the sad thing is? People that are even full-time photographers are doing that kind of thing. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And one of the things I've learned with, especially this past year, because I feel like I've gotten even busier with the loments, is that I value my life. And I like to hang out with my husband. <laughs> I like to be around my friends, you know. So one of the most important things I'm um, I'm feeling right now and getting better at and identifying is 
I don't want to burn out. I love what I do. And I want to be able to keep doing it for another 20 plus years. So I'm very in tuned with if I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm getting burnt out. Okay, how do I remove that? And most of the time, it's just automation, outsourcing, and it's always worth the money all day long. Well, I, I think that's a beautiful way to kind of end our conversation. I, I love that you've kind of you you found an opportunity, a business opportunity there in the Santa Barbara area to focus on a very specific segment of the market. You've made it work for you, and I appreciate you kind of walking us through that process. It's certainly a, a unique specialty. It's not something I've I've heard a lot of photographers claim as a specialty, but it's, you're doing beautifully with it. And uh, I wish you continued success there in the Santa Barbara market. How can our listeners find you online? Where's the best way to see your work and, and maybe find you on Instagram as well? On Instagram, I'm by Cherry Photography, and my website is bycherryphotography.com. Um, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much, Cherry, for making time for us today. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come